Welcome back to Ghostbusters Minute. Ghostbusters Minute is the fan podcast that chronicles, recaps, and overanalyzes the classic 1984 film Ghostbusters. I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And joining us again today is Christopher Stewart from Proton Charging and the Ghostbusters Interdimensional Cross Rip. Christopher, thank you so much for joining us again today. Not a problem. Thanks for having me back. I'm back! You're back. I'm back. We had such a great time yesterday. We were like, hey, let's do it again tomorrow. And Christopher was gracious enough to grace us with his presence. Uh, and, you know, uh, I guess uh, we had contacted you a little while ago to say, hey, uh, we think it'd be fun if you were a guest on here. And you were like, oh, yeah, there's definitely some stuff in the movie I want to talk about. And uh, unfortunately, we didn't uh, – I, I didn't communicate properly to you like what minutes it was we were going to have you on for. And we missed one of the things that you were really hyped to tell us about. So um, it, oh. what, what, what exactly was it you were looking for earlier in the, in, in the movie that you wanted to talk about? Yeah, in, in your email, you were like, well, what's, what's, uh, what's a minute you'd like to talk about? And it, it, I was like, oh, i got to pick one. And the one that I instantly went to was um, – uh, minute twelve, I guess. I'm, tr- I'm trying to keep. I'm trying to keep it in your uh, schedule here. I think it was minute twelve. Um, and I know this because I went and listened to it to see if you guys mentioned it, and I was like, they didn't mention it. Ah, oh! <laughs> uh, is they're walking back from the library and they're on the Columbia campus and they stop to do the, you know, the Spangs are you serious? I'm always serious. And uh, there's a bit. How do I put this? It's I think it's uh, Peter and I think Ray, and uh, there's they kind of set as a long shot down the walkway, and then they do a second shot that's to the side. And when you go to the side, the the the, the two Ghostbusters are framed on either side, so there's this spot in the middle, and students are flowing past. And if you watch, there's a guy in a blue sweatshirt, and out of an entire movie, and Dozens of extras, some of which repeat and all that. He's the one that gets right dead center and can't help it and looks right down the lens. <laughs> no, I'm never going to be able to look at anything aside. I from know that. that's yeah. the downside of this is that once you uh, these things get pointed out, uh, you can't ever see, unsee them. But... That's that's like one of those things where earlier when uh, Peter starts explaining to Ray, you know, call it fate, call it luck, call it karma. It just sounds like he's about to get into like a musical number. The way that the score starts playing right as he starts talking, it, it's almost like it's the same melody of his voice. And I just it, cannot help but hear it that way when he when he uh, goes to do it. Yeah, you want to hear the, you want to hear him busting the song. Yeah, exactly. The thing that I, that I, I well, let's put it this way. I'm going to qualify it. I love your podcast. Uh, you have not failed me yet, and I do not think you will. And you have hundreds of episodes to go, so it's going to be great. <laughs> the thing I, uh, I, I, I hate about your podcast is that I'm removed from it. This is I, I'm. This is why I'm really happy you guys have 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 me in for these two, but the rest of the minutes are going to drive me nuts because <laughs> there's Dude, come so whenever you want. There's so much to to dive into. Uh, yeah. That that people just kind of take for granted in, in a single minute. There's so much to dive into that. Um, and you'd think by now we'd have it all worked out, but this is why your guys' podcast works so well. Is that we we haven't. Um, I, I I try to describe it to people as like I saw the movie in the theater. So in '84 I saw it the once, uh, and then had to work from memory. 
Then it ended up on television, and I got a VHS copy of that. So lots of commercials and maybe little television edits and things like that. Then we got to home video, but that's great, but it's pan and scan, so there's you know still stuff lost forever. Like um, yeah, it it took until '97, I think, and they put out like this uh, clamshell, super awesome edition of the two movies on VHS, and it was Letterbox, and it was at the time where the movies, you'd start the movie, and there'd be the bit at the beginning with, you know, Martin Scorsese and people going, don't be afraid of the Letterbox, we're not cutting <laughs> stuff on, we're actually yeah. putting stuff back in, you, you, you <laughs> Luddites, like, this is, like, they have to explain the technology to you, but again, you're watching it on, like, tube televisions at the time, right, uh, like, I think 480, uh, it would work out to be 480p resolution, like sub DVD resolution. Yep. Then, then it got to Letterbox, and we start seeing stuff where we're like, "Oh my god!" And the televisions get better. Then they go flat screen. Then they go LED. You know, and like everything, the screens are getting bigger. The resolution's getting better. The the coding's getting better, which means, and it shows up in theaters, which is still the ultimate now. Like if you can go to a theater and watch a, you know, one of them run a blue, uh, a Blu-ray, or if you're lucky enough, one of the 4K runs. You're watching it on the biggest screen ever, the bestest resolution ever, and you suddenly realize stuff that your brain just kind of blurred out mm -hmm. uh, in the earlier versions. There's still stuff there. Like, it's only been in the last yeah. couple of months I went and saw it, and their whole, uh, just before the, uh, you can't park that here, when he's chastising the sign guy. You don't think it's too small? There's a guy that walks by carrying a large piece of wood. Where is he going? Right, like he's not going into the fire hall. He's kind of walked around the corner, walked past the fire hall, and he's kind of there to give the impression of we're fixing up the fire hall. But all he does is just sort of wander by with a stick. And, and like I said, it's been whatever it is. Almost it's been thirty years. I was like, never gave him a second thought. It, it is crazy the uh, things you you know you catch whenever you're watching a movie in a higher definition, like in Jaws on the Blu-ray. Never ever ever seen it before. I've seen the movie a thousand times. Uh, whenever they're Quint is about to tell the Indianapolis story, you can see him like, like t buckling up his pants or something crazy like that, and it's just one of those things I've never noticed before. Kyle, you said you saw Alien, uh, in like yeah, I actually saw Aliens this week uh, for the 30th anniversary uh, in the theater, and it almost kind of ruined it for me because all of a sudden the dropship and the APC were clearly models. I, and, uh, in, my, in my mind, I know that they're models when I watch them on Blu-ray or, uh, or DVD or whatever, but seeing them that on that size of the screen, all of a sudden their weight became apparent to me. And I'm sure these are large models that are like half the size of a person, but seeing them it, in, to that degree with that level of clarity when the APC sets down and the uh, – excuse me, the dropship sits down and the APC rolls out the front – all of a sudden it looks like you know micro machines or toys you know going around but i think the thing that was the craziest is a couple of years ago and this is you know usually you can catch ghostbusters maybe once or twice a year maybe once during the summer the, you know in the last couple of years i think it was the cinemark chain uh, here in the states uh, was playing ghostbusters it was like the, the first time they had done it in like a, a run like this and we go to see it i had never and i've seen this movie hundreds of times never realized that at the end of the movie, the giant like fiberglass see-through um, uh, kind of set around Gozer's pyramid has hieroglyphs on it. Yeah, I hadn't noticed that either. And and they're, and they're clearly like uh, like two Egyptian gods, and that wasn't just like startling for me to be like, oh my god, I've never noticed that before. It all of a sudden opens up 
like why are there Egyptian gods on these doors? Like you know, it, like there's got to be some sort of like lore or set dressing behind you know like this idea, this decision to put these gods on there. So I immediately when the movie's over, it's all I could think about. I went to the internet and I couldn't find anything. What about you, Chris? You got any info oh, on this? Info on it? Yeah. Other than the set designers are uh, always, always, always overthinking their stuff. Yeah. Uh, and putting detail in there that it's it's. I don't have anything specific to to that other than um, I think they kind of ran with the the Ivo Shandor uh, story as Ray tells it later, and the the, the idea that he was an architect and he built this arc Art Deco house or apartment rather with with this temple on it. So they sat down and uh, you know kind of the doors, for example, the temple doors. Uh, again, it's never really been 100% confirmed, but it's it's almost laid out like it's perhaps it's Ivo Shandor as a as a uh, as the high priest carved into it, or maybe it's supposed to represent Gozer. Like it's it's stuff that you know, yeah, it's they they just thought people would kind of look at once. Like home video wasn't really a thing when, uh, or yeah. it was just starting to take off when the movie came out. That's like the kind when, of thing that like. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. I was, I was gonna say when Ghostbusters came out, you st- if you wanted to buy the video, you had to buy it off of your local video store at local video store retailer prices, which was eighty to a hundred bucks a, a tape. Yeah. And it wasn't until Ghostbusters two that they were actually releasing right to home video, and even then you were spending like. 30 bucks and you know 1990 dollars to pick up a copy of your favorite movie like they just didn't think that anybody it's it's kind of what i love about this podcast is kind of what i i love about the movie and why i keep staring at it is i love to kind of scratch below the surface even if it's just questions like you have like why did they put the hieroglyphs in what's the story i i like at least discovering that the question's there so it's yeah. fun watching the movie and realizing what holds up and what doesn't. So mm-hmm. that painted skyline that they have for the temple, which basically just wraps around the entire soundstage uh, with little blinky lights and all that, mm-hmm. that holds up. Like yeah. if, you, yeah. oh, if you stare at it, you kind of go, well, it, yeah, it's not the city, but it looks good. But then at the same time, you look at those little granite plinths and they're just painted wood. Like yeah. you can look at it and they... <laughs> yeah. And they just went. Nobody will just slap a, a you know, make it look kind of marbly, and on film it'll read fine. And and nobody went. What if they get really close to thirty-five millimeter, uh, you know, resolutions? Like nobody will ever yeah. have that. That's never gonna happen. Yeah, and now we're looking at it, and it's like eh, that's mm-hmm. kind of kind of woody. Well, just wait until we get like 8K TVs and we're noticing even further stuff. It's oh, like, it turns out that Harold Ramis had a fake arm through half the movie or something. You know? Oh, there's it, it takes it takes so many viewings like um, to notice the temple has uh, some of the like you can see the crew gear and stuff like this, or um, that Lewis is a Democrat because it took me 30 years to to notice he has a a, a bust of. Uh, JFK in his apartment and things like that. Like it's just, and I, I don't. I think the average person watches a movie uh, a couple of times and they're fine with it. So a lot of that stuff flies past. But if you're right. insane enough to stare at it, you know, for hundreds of viewings, boy, yeah, it's it's exactly like you said. What what were they thinking when they made the hieroglyphs? And all? Who knows? But they, that's the difference between a good movie and a bad movie. Is the good movies everybody puts thought into what's going in there, even if there's no guarantee. It means anything to anybody, or even gets seen. 
Yeah, so, and I, I love that there's, there are people with a love of their craft and the artistry that they would go in there and think that instead of just like showing up to set that day and be like, I don't care, we just got to make it a temple, just you know, make the make the doors look like whatever. It's th there was probably a week worth of crew time to create those things and to sculpt that stuff and to be like, we got to get every little detail of this right. And it, there's there's definitely a level of craft and care in Ghostbusters that I, I don't want to say is like lost today, um, but it, it's it. it it could have been cheaper. It could have been crappy, but they chose to go with it and really put their heart into it, and I think that shows. The one thing I do know about the making of Ghostbusters is that everybody involved went above and beyond. It's yeah. like you say, they could have, at the budget they had and the time they had, they could have mailed a lot of things in. And don't get me wrong, there were some real triage decisions made uh, like the plinths obviously nobody put a lot of time into those or later on there's a slimer where the thing they did didn't work so they cut it out and it's a it's a painted peanut like and again yeah, on the basis yeah. of look we, we'll, we'll do the optical uh, composite it'll be a little blurry nobody will tell the difference and you know they're kind of right it's still it's just a blurry blob yeah, if, I didn't know it was, uh, if it was a peanut I wouldn't really Think about what it was. So. But but then the other stuff like uh, uh, like the detail of Dana's apartment or the detail of Lewis's apartment or the detail of the fire hall, that stuff doesn't have to be there, but it all adds up to give us the impression that they want to give. So yeah, yeah. it's a lot of work to, to to figure these things out. And yeah, some some set designers got it and some don't. And Ghostbusters, yeah, they 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 got it. It's got still it, holding yeah. up. A uh, question. Uh, you mentioned Dana's apartment. Um, was there something about how they had to rebuild the set of her apartment or something to? Give... Yeah, they yeah. shot. What scenes did they have to reshoot? It might have been the um, the stuff that comes up in the next minute. I can't. I'd have to go digging into my books or something. But yeah, they 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 shot their scenes and they went great. Now make it look like it's torched. Yeah. And then afterwards they went, wait, we have to go back and do another one. And, oh, no. <laughs> and again, to, 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 to the credit of the set designers, they went back and cleaned it up. I don't know that you can tell the difference. They, they got all the props back in place. Yeah, they got I all the set dressing all. back in place. I, like I said, from looking at it, I couldn't tell you. I, I think I'd probably have to go through a couple of magazines to find some references and, and make a good guess from there about what scenes were the ones that they reshot on. Yeah. Well, great. Well, uh, the wonderful conversation here um, uh, at the top. Thank you Sorry. so much. For I should have warned no, no. you. I'm a rambler. No, this is what this is what we wanted by having you on. We definitely wanted this in-depth discussion about it because you know there's uh, like we were saying uh, off air. Sometimes Brady and I get into this and we just kind of start going back and forth with each other and realize we haven't talked about Ghostbusters for a couple of minutes. <laughs> and uh, you know, uh, so we definitely wanted someone with the uh, with the, the with the breadth of knowledge you have. So uh, again, thanks for coming on today and, and sharing everything with us. And you know, I think this is going pretty great. So we'd love to have you back for some future episodes too, if you're game. So I'll start um, making I'll start making a list now. Yeah, please do, please do, and give it to me. <laughs> We'll have you on. Um, all right. Well, let's go ahead and jump into uh, the recap of minute number 18, uh, where we will have a little bit more further discussion between Lewis Tully and Dana Barrett. If you remember in the previous minute, Lewis had kind of pinned Dana down right about uh, her apartment and uh, uh, was just berating her with a nonstop litany of questions about everything. So at minute number 18, Lewis has just invited Dana to his uh, accountant party. 18 
minutes, seven seconds, Lewis tells Dana that she shouldn't leave her TV on so loud while she was away. He tells her that he tried to get into her apartment and disconnect the cable, but couldn't break in, so he just turned up his as well to make it sound like all the TVs on the floor were broken. At 18.25, Dana closes her door in his face while he is still talking. At 18 minutes, 34 seconds, Lewis walks back to his apartment and finds himself locked out. At 18 minutes, 36 seconds, we see the Ghostbusters TV commercial, and at 18 minutes, 57 seconds, they deliver the catchphrase, we're ready to believe you. So that that ends minute number 18 of the movie. Um, again, just a little bit more comedy stuff up front, and you do kind of get the seeds planted that there's something eerie and supernatural going on uh, in the Shandor building. Uh, and then ending off there with the with the commercial, which is hilarious. And one thing I love about the commercial, it's, you know, uh, we, we kind of get it that Ray is kind of the goofball of the three, and, you know, Peter's the one that kind of has the most outgoing personality, but in this commercial, it's pretty clear that Peter is uh, has a little bit of stage fright, and Ray is the one with the acting chops, kind of getting up in the camera and delivering all the lines. And you would think it'd be the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then at, at the the... Far end of the spectrum is Egon, who cannot look yeah. natural yeah. under any circumstances. He's looking at his marks whenever he's taking a step. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> if, so if if people go to YouTube, actually, it ended up on the Blu-rays, but they they put the the like we see it in in world on a tube, tiny tube television. They put the entire uh, clip. Um, yeah. on the Blu-ray, so you can see it at its best resolution and without her turning it off and all that. And there's there's a lot of stuff in there. Like, if you, if you think uh, this is diving down into it, imagine being able to scrape away, you know, the, the tube TV and look at the, the raw video and <laughs> wow. the stuff that starts to pop out. The biggest one being the Ready to Believe You. Um, so that's the last thing we get, right? Ready to believe you. Okay, so yeah. I'm not moving into the next minute on you guys. Good. Now, look, so. real quick, the, the commercial, um, if yeah. I'm not mistaken, that was actually aired on TV uh, around the time that the movie was going to be coming out. With well, or was it broadcast in uh, theaters, I think, maybe? Was that it? Uh, no, they bought uh, late-night uh, ad spots on ah. TV. They just And they, they uh, re-rendered it out with a 1-800 number. And you got their busy answering machine saying, "We can't take your call right That's now. We're, so we're out cool, on man. Yeah. You know what that sounds like is the uh, why so serious viral marketing campaign for the Dark Knight, where you could go to these websites and there would be like a Gotham Deli or something like that with a phone number you could call and you would get an answering machine. That um, yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, it's it's more and more common now, like especially when they realize that it'll get picked up and rebroadcast on the web and go viral on you. But uh, the Back to the Future anniversary recently had a number for the uh, the Toyota the fake Toyota dealership in Hill Valley and you could call that number wow, <laughs> and, wow. and it was great because it you know talked to it was it was a it was a weird mix of we're a fake Toyota dealership we're going to mention to you the real new Toyota truck that's about to come out that is reminiscent of his truck that we did as part of the whole anniversary thing there I'm I'm paraphrasing. They didn't actually say, they didn't break the fourth wall and go, there's a new movie and all that. No, they just, they talked about the new, you know, some sort of Toyota four-wheel drive truck and all that. And then ended with leave your name and address. And what happened was is they'd mail out a license plate uh, frames with the fake Toyota dealership's name. That is so cool. (laughs) So, so, and that's not not happens more and more and more. Yeah, but this was 84, and it was just, again, Ghostbusters is filled with all of these little, brilliant little accidental insights. So Mm -hmm. Ivan Reitman 
as I understand it, went, you know, we could just run that on TV, and then everybody went, yeah, we can. And Or uh, they didn't have the rights laid down for the name yet, but they needed to start postering. So they put out the black the black poster with just the logo, and thus the teaser poster was born, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. just, again, weird little accidental things that everybody thinks is genius now, but, you know, it's, it's a full-on uh, Jaws thing, the whole... It's brilliant how they hid the shark. No, the shark didn't work. We would have been showing it from frame one if we could. It just didn't work, so we had to hide it. The same thing here. It's like, you guys are geniuses for putting out a teaser, and they're like, we had no choice. We need to start advertising. We didn't have our name blocked out. You know, if I did um, something like that uh, to cut corners because I had to, I would love it if people projected onto it that it was some, some work of some genius. Sort of I think, genius. I would, yeah, I would get I've, my fear is that I'd get called out immediately. You know, like imagine yeah. Brady if we had released the first episode of the podcast and it was nothing but static. And it was like, oh, it's just a teaser to let you guys know <laughs> something's coming. But yeah, now that you mention it, uh, we are <laughs> geniuses. Yes, I, 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 I think that that commercial that they released on late night TV was actually maybe was it towards the middle or the end of the Ghostbusters run, and they were trying to get people back out to like for one last good couple of weekends before the movie. That that I don't really know. Hmm. Um, yeah, there's the release of Ghostbusters has is. Um, it's long. Like, I think it ran for number one for most of the summer, except for one week where a new movie popped up. I can't remember which one. And then by the next week, it was back up again. And it was also, it's on the, a very rare list of movies that got re-released into theater. So uh, Star Wars was the first one that they kept pumping it back out in the following summers. Ghostbusters yeah. did the same thing. P uh, people kind of forget, but in '84 it got re-released back into theaters for a while. Can, so can, it's can, possible they may have used it then to get people back in. I don't know. Yeah, that would have been a great run of advertising. L let me just read to you guys real quick. I'm going off a of box office mojo over here. I just kind of cutting into the middle of what we're talking about. But you just said that Ghostbusters was released in 1984. Could have been the best year ever for movie releases. I'm just going to go down um, the box office mojo uh, top. Uh, grossing films for that year and just read just some, some of the movies that were released around the same time. So we've got Beverly Hills Cop, Ghostbusters, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, Gremlins, The Karate Kid, Police Academy, Footloose, Romancing the Stone, Star Trek Three: Search for Spock, Splash, Purple Rain, Amadeus, Tightrope, The Natural, Greystoke, Legend of Tarzan, Revenge of the Nerds, 2010, Break-In, Bachelor Party, Red Dawn, The Terminator, City Heat, All of Me, and it goes on and on and on. Conan the Destroyer was released that year. This was like a, a movie nerd's dream summer. You know? Yeah, that's 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 my DVD shelf basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's crazy to think that all this stuff that uh, Brady and I are the same way. It's all of, a lot of our favorite movies were released and produced around the same period of time. I wonder what it was in the water in Hollywood at that time that had everybody see a creative yeah. cylinders firing. So it was a good time to be going to the movies. It really yeah. was. Yeah. So. Um, so yeah. So we had the Ghostbusters commercial there, and one thing I love about it uh, is that. They don't have the proton packs yet. They still have the weird... Yeah, it's just whatever stuff they had on hand that looks like somewhat technological. They had the VHS camcorder probably with the UV filters on it. They've got whatever the heck that thing is that Peter takes to Dana's apartment later to take readings the little with the little uh, baby snot sucker thing on the end. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a gas sensor. A gas sensor, okay. Yeah, um, do, we, a... do we know why canonically or in story why they would use something like that? Is it supposed to pick up on ectoplasm in the area or anything? It looks cool. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah I think that's it. I mean, it, 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 
when you see somebody looking for the invisible, I mean, it kind of it it seems to make a logical sense that uh-huh. ghosts are invisible, gas is invisible. So if a guy is running around with a sniffer, yeah. you can smell ghosts. I don't. They've never really explained it. Um, but yeah, it's it's a real old school um, piece of uh, uh, geology equipment and all that and safety equipment. Ah, okay. Uh, that that if you've got eighty bucks and patience on eBay, you can pick one up and add to your cosplay, I guess. Uh, yeah, it's about to say for a Halloween costume, that would make it perfect. But they're also wearing their lab coats still. They, they look like you know real scientists in this. If this commercial were to come on late at night and I saw it, I'd probably take these guys a little bit more seriously than you know the ghost hunters using their uh, night vision on their cameras and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I, I like that they took the time to you know this is we're still in the build up to what they are when they go out to the. Uh, Sedgwick later to to bust Slimer. I don't know how it relates to the shooting order or anything like that, but the in the the script the the, the easiest script for people to get their hands on is the one that got printed in Making Ghostbusters, mm-hmm. uh, where if you can find, I think there's a PDF online and all that, and I recommend it if people are fans of the movie, go find a copy of it. And what they did is they took this start of shooting draft of the film, and then they fill in in the margins all these. Uh, quotes and interview blurbs and all these sort of things and when you get to this scene it's a much longer commercial and I think that's why they cut it down is that it they just needed a short little highway the Ghostbusters thing we're here to look at uh, the uh, the and in that scene it's a much longer they have a whole bit with a family going oh, uh, if, if you want a frame of reference go watch Ghostbusters 2 because they recycled bits of it for the montage television commercial with Lewis and uh, Jenny. Really? So, you know, uh, I guess we'll have to move. You know, there's got to yeah. be an easier way. Like, there's yeah. this whole family and kids, and then the Ghostbusters show up. And in that one, they, it, they come off like they're supposed to be in their full-on gear because they Ray holds up a trap. We got him, and all this sort of thing. Whereas, in the end result, the, the Ghostbusters text uh, lines are almost entirely the same. Uh, they just cut out the family and they're kind of presenting themselves as these professional doctors rather than, uh, you know, uh, uh, plumbers or, you know, uh, workmen in jumpsuits sort of thing. Um, it's a strange one. It's one that's always kind of perplexed me. I, I, like I said, it kind of makes a certain sense that if you pace out what they say, uh, what we see in the movie, and then try to add in all the family stuff, you're like, that's way too long. And I think they realized that right away because they never shot any of the family stuff. They literally went to the fire hall and just shot the lines with the three guys out in front. Wow, I didn't and know got there, I think it's what, maybe five, six seconds? It's not that long. No, ten seconds at most, maybe? Yeah, it's very short, yeah. Very, very short. But with you put the family back in, that turns into a 30-second scene. And it's like, no, that's too much, too long. Right, yeah, this is probably still in the area of time, too, that they um, were running on very limited capital and probably only had enough to buy a 10-second TV spot, too. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and hadn't technically had their first bus, so again, there was this thing, look, you know, we got it in a trap, and it's like, you guys have never even done that before. So it <laughs> would have kind of spoiled the the whole reveal in the, uh, at the, the hotel when they actually do show off a trap and show it in action and all that sort of thing. So yeah. it's funny. It's funny that, I mean, these are accomplished guys that know what they're doing and they wrote out a great script and it was enough to sell it to studio execs. And then you sit down and with 2020 hindsight go, how did you guys think that was going to work exactly? Like, <laughs> how did you guys figure you were going to, you know, how did, that not seem too long and you know how did it not seem weird that you were gonna 
show off your gear in a commercial rather than as a great surprise later in practical application. It's just yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, you were saying that you had read earlier scripts, or you at least read this one earlier script. Have you ever read any of the original Ghost Smashers script? No, I don't think anybody's got those. Yeah. To be I was wondering if anybody had I, I, the same thing. I, I haven't read it, and I've never heard of anybody getting their hands on it. But I figured with uh, your notoriety in the community, maybe he would, uh, Dan Aykroyd mailed you one or something like that. <laughs> no, yeah, no. Dan Dan doesn't share a lot with me. Um, <laughs> I know when Harold Ramis passed away, uh, his wife was talking about uh, finding stuff in the basement and all that. He had lots of stuff stored up, and I'm sitting there going. <laughs> like you just know that there's a very good chance some of the early scripts are still there, and it's like what I would give to be able to get my hands on, you know, yeah, any of that. Yeah, you don't want to be that fanboy that oversteps himself, uh, yeah. sort of thing. You just yeah. sort of put out the vibes. Give it to the Library of Congress. Give it to the, you know, or give yeah. it to the uh, the National Film Institute, or give it to the Academy, or something like that, and let I mean, them put it into their library so we can come look at it later. Yeah, and it's it's probably going to be lost at some point. I know that um, they, in the last couple of years, found one of the original sharks that was used in Jaws, like in a in a junkyard, and so they've sent it off to uh, a museum that's being built for film history, and it's being refurbished and everything. So. This stuff, you know, it's it can rot away and everything. So yeah, I yeah. think there's like one guy who's the custodian of all the special effects uh, pieces in all the Alien films. He's just a huge fan, and yeah. they kind of ran out of place and space to put him. So they're like, "Do you want him at your house?" And he's like, "Yeah, I guess so." So you go to his house, he'll let you tour it, and it's just like you walk down a hallway and the Queen Alien head is on the wall. But uh, you know, it's it's better to I, I guess have a steward of this kind of stuff or a historian rather than a studio run out of space and be like, well, we got to throw away all this all this stuff right. that we can't use anymore. So, um, yeah. but yeah, it, it is. It, you know, it, you do feel like you want to show up at the Ramus, you know, uh, household, knock on the door, and be like, this belongs in a museum. You know, <laughs> let me take care of it for you. <laughs> so. um, Anthony Bueno, uh, a filmmaker in the UK, is working on a documentary called Cleaning Up the Town. Yeah, uh, how's that going? He, he's almost done. <laughs> he literally just interviewed the last couple of people that he thinks he can possibly get, the two holdouts being uh, Rick Moranis and Bill Murray. Uh, he has interviewed over 70 people that yeah. worked on the movie, and he's cutting it to a two-hour movie, but he has... I think he said close to 400 hours of video. Wow. And I've been talking to him, and I'm like, make your cut, put it out, do the extended cut for video for us, and then send the tapes to the Film Institute, right? Like, just somebody needs to to put those away in a vault for the the rest of time. Yeah, for listeners who don't know uh, what we're talking about, that's a documentary that's incredibly comprehensive and covers all things Ghostbusters uh, called Cleaning Up the Town. And it's been in the works for how many years? Uh, it's just about to click over into its ninth, I believe. Ninth year. So yeah. just imagine all the content that you know they've been able to uh, gather for this. He, and he got everybody on both movies. Uh, actually, there's three notable exceptions then, because Peter McNichol didn't want to talk about it either. So, <laughs> really, I'm surprised yeah. about that. Um, he. Oh boy, I, it's 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 odd because if I name those three names and I said pick the one who is. The, the, the most resistant to talk about it. Everybody picked Bill Murray. And it turns out that's not the case. He'd probably talk about it if he actually cared to 
show up and sit mm-hmm. down, which is really what he's not into. Uh, Rick Moranis not that interested. Um, doesn't hate it. Doesn't you know? Doesn't love it. Understands what it is, but just no. I'm kind of doing my quiet thing now. Thanks. Uh, Peter McNichol actively dislikes it. <laughs> <laughs> and I've I've known people that have run into him and yeah, it Ghostbusters and face just changed. Like <laughs> so. See, I'm, uh, I'm kind of blown away by that because I, I of I don't hate Ghostbusters too, but of everything in the movie that stands out to me, I think the Yanosh performance is really he's one of the best yeah. parts. Yes, exactly. But nobody gets close enough to say you realize you're one of the best things in that movie, right? Like <laughs> you're one of the reasons why we don't hate that movie. Uh, yeah. yeah. But he, yeah, he just there's something about it that he, I don't know if he decided that it was just too goofy and he's embarrassed by it. It's you never know. It could be one of those Spock things. You give him another five years and he'll kind of kind of yeah. wrap his head around what it is and where its place is in film history, but I don't know. Yeah. I imagine say... there's also a piece of being too close to the material. You have a different uh, feeling for it than you know, all of us who just watch it. You know, you never know what the, 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 the tone was on the set. So um, Yeah. Did you say that he was able to get Bill Murray for the documentary? No. They, they're, they yeah. tried very hard. Um, yeah, and I don't think they will. I mean, they're they're yeah. at the point now where they're like, we gotta wrap it. They're they're editing and they're doing the final edit. Um, I think they were kind of they made one last trip to catch a few people. Uh, like I said, they're based in the UK, so they came over. They spent some time in New York to interview a couple people, and then um, they moved over to LA and interviewed a few people, and then they went back to London. And for some reason, there was somebody there that they managed to nail down and talk to. And in all of that, they were kind of like, and where's Bill Murray now, and can we get him? And, yeah. And, but it's just, he's, you know, he's like a he's like a tree elf or something like that. Think, you, just, think... you have to go to, under the full moon and close your eyes and turn around <laughs> twice and hold I think we're... a golf club, and if you're lucky, he'll show up, right? So. We're lucky to have even gotten him for Ghostbusters 2016, and that, like, Good Morning America reunion thing a few years ago, and that's that's... Probably yeah, as as... even now the the stories they tell it's exactly the same. Uh, for the 2016 one, it was like the day before, and they're like, "Is he showing up?" We don't know. <laughs> uh, and he did, and away they went. But I'm I'm pretty sure if you make a, mur- a movie with Bill Murray that he's not actively pushing, um, yeah, then you basically you set it all up. You cast somebody to fill in just in case and yeah. boy that must be sad to be the person who was going to play uh, what's his name? Heist, Dr. Heist in the new one. Mm-hmm. Just sitting there ready to go. I've got it all worked out. Oh, you yeah. know my lines. <laughs> I got I got the character set. No, nope, Bill Murray showed up. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so uh if people out there are interested in cleaning up the town, it looks like uh the website for that is buenoproductions.com. Uh, and if you want to follow them on Twitter, it's at Ghostbusters Doc. So uh, looking forward to seeing that when it comes out because, uh, you know, again, talking to you and talking about this movie and reading up on the production of it, it sounds like one of the more fascinating uh, productions in uh, in the 80s of filmmaking. So, uh, Well, okay, so for Minute 18, do we have uh, anything else of note to talk That's about here? Me. I got one crazy fact I can throw at you. Please do. Uh, Dana's apartment has no bathroom. Really? Really? <laughs> I, I didn't say it was an exciting fact. <laughs> well, we'll um, give you that response. They they sat down, the set designer, uh, John DeCur and all that, like mm-hmm. full-on old-school set designer, basically like trained architect kind of guy, and he had it all laid out. Uh, 
Louis's apartment, the hallway, where's the elevator, where the stairs are, Dana's apartment had it all laid out. And then to cut corners, there's a few things that they went, we don't need to build these. So like Lewis had a full patio, the one mm-hmm. that, uh, uh, what's his name, like Casey Kasem's wife falls out through there uh, during the party scene. Uh, it was a whole big patio, and they went, there's no need to build that whole big thing. So yeah. they just put like a tiny little veranda thing. Yeah. Um, and one of them was her bathroom was supposed to be off of her uh, bedroom just inside her door next to uh, her closet. And somebody went, why do we need to bother showing this? Because, again, it's one of those things. You watch the movie, and never does anybody stop and go, but where did she go to the bathroom? Right. Yeah, <laughs> where did yeah. she shower? I don't understand. And they went, forget it. We don't need that. And sure enough. Uh, and again, it was supposed the way it was designed, her bedroom door opens and would basically cover the bathroom door. Like it was just kind of a weird design anyways. And somebody went, then the door is going to be mostly covering a door that we're never going to see through it. Just put a wall there. And they, so there you have it. It's like the Star Trek Enterprise. Uh, we have no idea where anybody does their ablutions. <laughs> well, you know, people in movies, they, they don't go to the bathroom, they don't sneeze, they don't cough, they don't say hello when they pick up the phone or goodbye. They always <laughs> have celery coming out of the grocery <laughs> store. Oh, yeah. It's just a mystical, a mystical world. If we could travel through the portal of Ghostbusters, we'd be like, oh, I have no need to go to the restroom anymore. <laughs> but yeah, that's really cool. So, All right, well, if we are pretty much wrapped up there and covered more than just minute number 18 here, so uh, Christopher, again, Thrilled to have you on the show. Thank you. Yes, so thank much you so time. much for uh, for coming on, Chris. We really this was fun. No, I'm thanking you because, like I said, I love doing this stuff. And after all this time, the people who will bear to listen to me talk about it kind of shrinks over time. So I found new people I could talk to. About. <laughs> yes. Well, believe me when I say this, we have an open door uh, policy for you to return anytime you'd like. You tell us when you want to come back, and uh, we'll work out the minutes ahead of time. So um, so we're not. We're not uh, confusing you on when the extras are going to be showing up and stuff like that. All right. Sit sit tight for the 20-page Google Doc I'll send you. (laughs) Oh, bring it on, brother. Bring it on. (laughs) All right. Well, that'll do it for minute number 18. We're going to be back tomorrow to wrap up the week at minute number 19. Again, thank you to Christopher so much for coming on. Christopher, where can people find you on the Internet? Uh, You can start at the old website, protoncharging.com. Uh, although with the advent of social media and the rise of responsibility in my life, I stopped doing the kind of the blog feature thing and went with, you know, one sentence reposts on Facebook. So you can start there, but there's all the links over to Facebook and Twitter. So uh, facebook.com slash proton charging or at proton charging on Twitter. And then uh, more actively, if you go to at the cross rip, on Twitter, that's uh, a good uh, portal into the weekly. Uh, <laughs> Troy calls it our ghost. Troy Benjamin, who's uh, runs another Ghostbuster fan site, uh, who started this up and kindly invited me in. Again, on the short list of people that can bear to listen to me talk about Ghostbusters for <laughs> minutes at a time. Uh, yeah, you, you can go there, and uh, uh, he calls it our, our our weekly Ghostbusters poker night. We every Wednesday we sit down and just. Oh, so recap cool. the week of Ghostbusters. That's awesome. <laughs> and that comes out on uh, folks can find new episodes on Wednesdays. Is that correct? No, we record on Wednesdays and they oh. drop uh, usually Sunday evening, uh, but technically it's not supposed to be until we call it Monday. But you know how iTunes is, you throw stuff up and yeah, whenever they get around to throwing a switch, which means to be safe, it's usually Sunday nights. 
Yeah, we're accustomed to that. Go live and then have it show up like, you know, uh, not when you intended it. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, great. So that's a weekly podcast. So uh, be on the lookout for that. And and Christopher, like I said before, we'd love to have you back. We're just going to go ahead and assume it's going to be at some point in the future. So when you come back, uh, we'll let everybody know ahead of time. And uh, it's going to be awesome. So, all right. Well, great. Well, everybody, thank you so much for joining us today for Minute Number 18. Uh, on behalf of both Chris and Brady and myself, Kyle, we thank you for listening to us. And we want to remind you that death is but a door, time a window. We'll be back. Ghostbusters Minute is a fan-supported podcast. To become a supporter, visit us on Patreon at patreon.com slash gbminute. You can also find us on social media at facebook.com slash ghostbustersminute, twitter.com slash gbminute, Instagram at ghostbustersminute, and visit our website at ghostbustersminute.com, where you can find merchandise such as t-shirts, stickers, and free balloons for the kids. Balloons subject to not being free, nor real. Our theme song is Ectoplasm by Audionautics, which is licensed under the Creative Commons Attributions License.